Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the What Culture Gaming Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Tilford, joined by Ben Roy Taylor. Hello there. Hello, I'm Josh Brown. Hiya. We thought we'd come together because it is the 25th anniversary of Resident Evil. So there's a bunch of different bits and bobs doing the rounds on the website, doing the, we'll be arriving shortly on the YouTube channel, if not already uh, live by the time you listen to this, uh, courtesy of Mr. Resident Evil expert, Ben Roy himself. Um, but we just thought we'd go back over 25 years of one of the most talked about, one of the most popular, just one of the best video game franchises of all time. So um, we've picked three uh, scenes, moments each to uh, dive into, um, and we're just going to sort of like break them down. Kind of, I thought we should start with the the game, the moment, the scene that broke everything uh, in the best possible way, which is the opening for Resident Evil Four. Um, I don't know if you guys remember the first time you played through it, but it's like we kind of take for for granted the whole over the shoulder aiming thing today. But I remember the first time seeing that game in motion, being annoyed that it was on GameCube and I couldn't play it, and then playing through it the first time when it finally came to PS2, um, and just like feeling the revolution, just feeling like, oh, this is how games can be now. I don't know if that was something that you guys felt too. I put it this way: this game accelerated at the rate that uh, my sister got up here at a GameCube. It was her GameCube, <laughs> but it was my copy of the game uh yeah i just remember that that first area where you you're going in and all these all these little all these little people just dealing with their chickens and stuff and you come in there and then they attack you with their pitchforks dr salvador comes out of his chainsaw and remember mm-hmm. fit, make it felt like 17 times bigger than what it was right because you were, it was one of the first times i felt like i could go around in, in an area and sort of like right fight people off by stages and like you know go into a building and defend a building and run out mm-hmm. it was like everything to this point in in re felt so was always so linear so to be able to like go between buildings and hop in and out and basically scramble around and try not to get your head chopped off was you know heart pounding to say the, least. the whole like putting the ladders up and jumping through the windows yeah. and like being able to sort of improvise on the spot they do that whole bit later on where you uh do you survive against weight the hordes of the dudes you're in that one area that you've got to protect that one um building or whatever but you get the a cabin, little taste yeah. of that yeah you get a taste of that at the very beginning um josh you how i don't know how old you're younger than me so i don't know how old you are when you first experienced the bit of the old re4 yeah, I had such a weird experience with it because um, Resident Evil 4 now is one of the games I've played and completed the most out of anything ever. Oh. But the first two times I experienced it, I experienced it um, via someone else's copy for whatever reason. I just didn't get it on PlayStation 2. Maybe I couldn't afford it or whatever. But the first time I played it around my cousin's house and he was like halfway through and he was sniping some Godados off ledges and stuff. And I just thought <laughs> this looks amazing. This looks scary. This atmosphere is something I haven't seen. The controls looked like just completely different and so um, unique and responsive 
And I was like, this, this is cool. Let me have a go. And I did one level and like, it stuck with me. And then I played it years later on a friend's Nintendo Wii. And we would take turns like halfway Your through. Your first experience was on the Wii? My first experience was on the Wii. My Ocean first controls. proper experience was on the Wii. And then the first time I completed it was also on the Wii about a year later when I got <laughs> my own. And I was looking for games to play on it. And I felt, right, I'm going to get Resident Evil because I really enjoyed like the gimmicky um, aiming thing. So I, it took like years and years before I got to experience Resident Evil 4 as it was originally intended with a regular controller. But it didn't really matter because everything you just mentioned there like translated and still resonated. Like the idea of going into that opening space. And like you said, you know, you're setting up barricades, you're kicking down ladders, you're moving from building to building, you're under siege in a way that gave you like this free form um, control that just you know wasn't present in resident evil games before then like i'd played resident evil 1 resident evil 2 resident evil 3 and stuff like that and i wasn't used to just how much agency you'd have in the combat and i just remember thinking like this is great i could play this over and over again and here we are what you know 16 17 years later, later a long yeah. time later and we continue to play this game every single time it's released or ported over to new consoles remember, you know, it's so replayable yeah i remember like do, figuring out you could do the roundhouse kicks and the suplexes as well like i remember because i was yeah. still a wrestling fan back then like freaking out when i did my first zombie suplex like oh my god there's actually because the heads pop and everything and um, it was a big old deal good <laughs> Sorry, I what? thought Ben Roy was geared up to say Me something. Too. No, no, I just was, you know, just thinking Take about uh, when uh, in the earlier versions, I think especially in the GameCube and the PS2 discs, uh, that uh, it was a bug where Ashley, if you knocked the Ganados with a door, you could then do a suplex. Well, you yes. wasn't meant to. It was later <laughs> okay. patched out of um, other games. So, you mm. know, that's a nice nice little fact for you about Resident Evil 4. But no, it was, um, for me, it was Dr. Salvador, the, the lad in the potato sack with the chainsaw that really sells that moment for me. you get killed by him. Hear yeah. him go, and you just know he's around somewhere and you fight Ganado and then he just bursts through them and uh, the movement isn't as like smooth as it would, you would like it to be to get away, but it doesn't hinder it in any in any way either. Mm. And it's just, and it, it's all capped off nicely where with a nice little sort of like dinner bell and Leon quipping, "Where's everyone gone to?" Bingo, sort of thing. Like <laughs> just that sort of just throwing in a bit of humor after you've seen your two sort of mates that have driven you in on a taxi burnt mm. to the stake, sort of thing, and then just sort yeah. of sets up the tone for uh, ever since intense horror and then lighten it down with like a quip or a one-liner that sort of doesn't ever get old i was gonna say do you guys think because we'll move on to like different um moments and stuff but like that whole conversation around like re4 changed resident evil at the core so much like the dna of what resident evil is or was or could be and everything well how do you guys like view that in retrospect now that we are like 17 years later like obviously i'm glad that re4 exists but you can totally see that direction that they then went in with five and six it needed it, man. Like, especially mm. at the time, we could easily look back at it now and say, oh, Resident Evil 4 changed too much. They should have stuck with the tank controls. They should have stuck with, like, the original kind of premise and stuff. And, yeah, it's easy to say that now, but, you ha- like, you have to remember how sick people were of that, like, <laughs> at the time and how like, driven into the ground it felt because not only did you have, like, the three main installments, you had a bunch of spin-offs. Like, Resident Evil was this gigantic thing. And at the time, you had a bunch of other survival horror games, like, innovating in that space where Resident Evil was once the innovator, 
when they came to Resident Evil 4, like it just kind of felt like they took that crown back by doing something different. And I feel like franchises are sometimes so tied down by their own kind of iconography and by their own systems and stuff. But what I love about Resident Evil is that it's constantly evolved. It's constantly reinvented itself. You know, whether you're going to Resident Evil 4, whether you're going to Resident Evil 7 or whatever. And yeah, sometimes that leads to, you know, not great ideas becoming cemented and we get games like Resident Evil 6, but in isolation, like Resident (laughs) Evil still holds up and its blend of comedy and horror for me is still like perfect like that game opens and that kind of like sense of isolation is absolutely there but like Ben Roy said they still got Leon pulling out these quips and then in the later game you've got like this mad gothic castle that's like this roller coaster yeah. carnival ride where it just goes completely wacky but it works like it, it manages to tour that line and I think that's what Resident Evil's always been about even if it's even in its campiest like early days you know there's always been a lot of intentional and unintentional humor but resi 4 kind of like synergized both worlds whilst giving us an experience that was inherently new at the time and letting you kick a zombie's head off thinking right. of um well ganados mate there were no zombies Can oh you're you not know? <laughs> uh, um, lost something else in it lost the lost illuminados is the cult which took over the area but ganados is actually what they are when they've been infected with the um the parasite okay I, but, uh, yeah it was think- it was a thing back then as well uh, thinking yeah. back to the, uh, <laughs> thinking back to that, it gives me sort of like, I don't feel so like, uh, I feel so happy to see that. Even back then, when you saw Salazar for the first time or when it was shown like pre market material, people lost their mind. <laughs> and it's like, you know what? Even back then, when it was like, you know, magazines or whatever, people still lost their minds. So people just lose their minds now, but you can just see it immediately. So, yeah. you know, it's just things like that just warm your heart. That you'll always know that someone's always going to lose their mind. Speaking <laughs> of things that warm people's hearts, let's talk about the first liquor. Ben Roy, this is one of your uh, first selections, the very first liquor encounter, I think, from RE2. Yes, when you um, which was subsequently changed in the remake, which was an, which wasn't annoying. It was more like I, I was waiting for it, and it didn't come at that point. But yeah, in the very first <laughs> game, uh, to this point, you'd been used to what uh, every enemy was sort of slow, apart from the hunters towards the end of RE One, the dogs that would come around. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the liquor was something else where it could just leap onto walls, leap onto ceilings, but you could always hear his like. <laughs> that was the noise that it made every time it would walk around, but you wouldn't know where it was the first time. And because, you know, back in the day, you couldn't just aim down just iron sights, you know, throw a grenade of R1 and you know, no scope, the 360 <laughs> sort of thing. And yeah, it was just terrifying to try and find out where the liquor was. And that first cutscene, the first little CG scene you see when it's sort of like, hello, is like, ah. you're like, oh, the hell is this? Why is this brain on the outside? What's going on here? <laughs> <laughs> I'll totally throw in that uh, when you go up against it in the RE2 remake, like, I guess it's, which which encounter do you prefer? The original one where it's harder to track or like it's where it's in more pitch black in the remake and it's kind of, it could be above and behind you. Like they try and replicate the idea of it being in there with you somewhere. I think, I mean, because, you know, it's coming in the remake, like, you know, yeah, RE2 original in 98, well, I was like seven or something like that when I played <laughs> it, like maybe even six. I can't remember what time of the year it came out. Mm-hmm. So this was like, this was nightmare fuel, and this was like a rumor right going around when, like, the game because back then when games came out, you didn't get them straight away. Sometimes your friends on the playground saying, There's a zombie which is inside out. You know, like, what do you mean inside out with massive claws? And you see, oh, oh no, I don't want that. You're always trying to run past it because I ain't, you just don't want to deal with that sort of thing, especially like when you're staying over your friend's house and the Furby in the corner keeps going off and chatting to you when you're <laughs> trying to get through some stuff. Yes, this is life carries <laughs> yeah. on. Yeah. 
the liquor man like that was a thing that actually scared me more in the movies than I did in the actual games like I used to watch uh, really? Resi- it's at the end of Resident Evil 1 and it's at the end of uh, Resident Evil Apocalypse as well so like that was my first actual interaction with them because I was too scared to watch my dad play Resident Evil 2 at the time because watching him <laughs> play the first one just completely freaked me out and I never got far enough to get to the to the liquors um first time around but like for me like when it came to like the extra enemies in Resident Evil 1 I was kind of like a little bit let down I, I really enjoyed the big snake lad really enjoyed the big shark but like the hunters I was like ah it's not really doing it for me like they're annoying but they're not really scary but by the time like the liquors came around I thought right this is this is like Resident Evil doing a zombie not zombies doing enemies that aren't zombies and making them like just as terrifying and just mm. as scary and kind of innovative and weird and they're not just you know animals at large like, and that's kind of the thing because like resident evil is known as like the zombie horror franchise like there's, you know, the, the one you go to for zombie horror but like they've got so many like creature feature big overblown mutated things as well um which became a bit of like a parody i guess around like the re5 re6 Sometimes. times everything has an, an eye on its shoulder or yeah whatever. Sometimes the T-Virus just leaks out and a bat gets on it and then you've got to fight a giant bat or, you know, a giant snake. It just happens sometimes. You talk about the know? Simpsons predicting everything. It was Resident Evil who got there first with mutated bat things that we all had to deal with. Um, Mr. Josh man. Brown, your yep. first pick was dealing with Crimson Heads in the original, well, in the RE1 remake. Well, uh, what I love about this podcast, fellas, is that I just get to talk about Resident Evil Remake. Like, I just get to put it in every single one of your picks and talk about and contrast it and stuff because the Crimson Heads specifically, like, I, I struggle to choose one, like, moment. But I think just dealing with them throughout the game completely transforms that game and amps up the tension, like, massively. Because I love the original Resident Evil 1. I played that and remake back-to-back, like, only two years ago or something. But it was quite um, revealing how in the first game, even though it is difficult, even though you still have a lot of ammo conservation to worry about and resource management and stuff, when it gets to the second half, if you're playing as Jill, especially where you have more inventory space, you have a grenade launcher and stuff, you can clear out entire rooms and you don't need to worry about them. So until the hunters come, you can just backtrack through areas and you're not having to worry really about enemies and it makes some stretches a little bit boring because you know there's not much of a threat. However, with the Resident Evil remake and the introduction of Crimson Heads, which are more powerful zombies that come back to life once you kill a regular zombie. Sometimes you never really know when they're going to pop up. This made killing enemies, quote unquote, killing enemies, uh, a much more considered thing because if you wanted to completely eliminate the chance of there being a crimson head, you had to set the body on fire. And of course, you only had a limited amount of kerosene. It meant you had to carry a lighter and stuff like that. And so it made dealing with zombies this cumbersome thing that you had to really kind of commit to killing something. You know, it was mm-hmm. a real-time investment. If you wanted to take clear a hallway so you can get to a safe zone, you'd have to spend the time to uh, kill them. You'd have to use the bullets. You'd have to make sure you didn't get hit. Then you'd have to go and get the kerosene. You'd have to destroy the bodies and stuff. It sounds so. incredibly laborious. It is, but in a way that still... It, it is, but because you're so scared of Crimson Heads, like, it makes it feel worthwhile Crimson. and it makes it worth doing. They're mm. on another level, man. Like they they move, they they run at you. They do massive damage if they hit you like two or three hits. Even I think on the easiest difficulty, you're gonna get you're gonna get all your health taken off so <laughs> fast, and you're gonna be burning through green nerves, which you need for like later bosses. And again, like with it being fixed camera for most time, unless mm. you go down the corridor with the mirrors, you don't really know where they are, and it's just they come at you so fast like a pistol is almost useless as well mm-hmm. it's just you need to take that extra time and burn them out but then you take that time to burn them out and then other ones like 
you get through the game, you'll you'll run out of ammo as it is, and then you get to the hunters. And like, oh crap! Now I should have saved the hunters, but you don't want the hunters and the crimson heads in the same room because <laughs> then you're just gonna become an actual sandwich, and you just can't do anything about it. But like, yeah, the the, the pace that these things move and the noises they make, they were just. It's like, oh, we're all waiting for Resident Evil remake. It's going to be fine. And Crimson Heads, what? That's like the liquor moment of that game. You're like, come on, man, what are you doing? I feel There's like they, they haven't done much more with them since then either. No, no, they all blew really. up in the Spencer match and died. Right. <laughs> they should come back. I really wanted them to be in the Resident Evil 2 remake. Just, mm. you know, throw them in, even though they don't really belong there. Because it would have, again, made backtracking a bit more scary. But they kind of got around that anyway with Resident Evil 2, with how hard zombies were to put down anyway. And even when you mm. thought they were dead, they could still pop up. But yeah, man, for me, there's nothing more scary than playing Resident Evil 1 remake and going into a room where you you, you know you'd, you'd killed a zombie beforehand and you didn't have the lighter on you or something like that. And you're just kind of thinking... Please, not this time. Don't come back <laughs> this time. Like, let me get through this one hallway and I'll deal with you later. You know what I mean? Like, you never prepared for it. I wonder if they'd put them back into that. What's that multiplayer thing that you tried, Ben Roy, the, the new one? Uh, Resident Reverse? Evil uh, multiplayer game seven. Yes. I don't remember its name. Sorry. Versus. Resident Evil versus. Yes, versus, yeah. Whatever that thing is. Like, they could do it. They could put it as some sort of, like, group enemy in that. Like, a, a they, horde of crimson heads that you've all got to deal with or something. They won't um, do that because they've not upgraded them. They've, are they only shoving stuff in there that are in the current engine. So, they're not okay. going to make a new model for that. <laughs> that will be too much work for that game. It's it's a freebie or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, my next one down is from Resident Evil Three. It's because Resident Evil Three was actually my first Resident Evil. Um, like I'd played the other two at like friends' houses and things like that, but the first one that I bought was RE Three. Um, and I just loved like I mean I, I again like we we were all three of us I think were super underage when we played these games. Like we're all like ten years old or whatever. Um, yeah. and I think RE Three was that nineteen ninety eight maybe. Fine. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. This podcast is brought to you by Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it just makes hiring all in one place so easy because you just get unparalleled access to job seekers. Plus, listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash WCG. Just go to Indeed.com slash WCG right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash WCG. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
Right. And so, yeah, I was like literally would have been 10 years old or whatever. And I just remember getting it and going home and just being terrified of it. Like, so obviously the reputation of Resident Evil at the time um, was like, it was this like taboo thing that I was playing anyway. Um, but the specific moment, it's it's every time in that game that Nemesis corners you and you get the, the slow motion, like pick a direction type thing where it zooms in, all the colors invert and all you hear is like the heartbeat. Um, and it's just like you have like a few seconds to react. And I remember thinking that was such a cool uh, gameplay idea. And just at, at the time, you know, like when you're younger, you don't really understand like how games are coded, how AI scripts happen and things like that. So it really felt like he could just burst out of any part of the environment at any time. Um, and it's just, I just remember that there's one bit, it's right near the beginning, but you're running through like an area, there's a collapsed bus like to the side. Um, I should say I'm talking about the original Resident Evil 3, yeah. And uh, there's a bit where a bunch of crows like burst out the side of this collapsed bus. And then the next time you go through that same area, Nemesis comes out the side instead. And then all of a sudden he's running after you. And I just remember thinking that was just terrifying. Like it gave me nightmares and it was brilliant. Um, and I know that a lot of people, um, you know, don't look on Nemesis too favorably because RE2 and N1 is so much like better paced. Um, and 3 is like this big sort of like elongated boss battle type thing. But for me, Nemesis has that special place because I had all those interactions with him. Like it was the Resident Evil fear, like incarnate, like it is something coming for you that you can't um, take out. Um, and obviously the movement controls, the shooting controls only kind of really factor into that because you can't stop it like effectively. Um, so yeah, I guess what were either of your like first Resident Evil memories? Like, did you both start with the actual RE1? I started, I'm going to jump in here and just mm -hmm. barge through and not even let Josh speak. I started Resident Evil 1 and um, hit a little fun fact for you. I, I looked half looked to the manual, so I was playing with a friend because I was terrified. I was like, mm -hmm. I can't shoot because I wasn't pressing the aim button before I shot. Hey. So I was pressing, <laughs> I was, and that put me off the game for a couple of months until I saw my friend, my friend go himself. And then he's like, oh, well, you got to do this and this because the manual, like, I'd lost the manual after like just for looking for it once sort of thing. Mm -hmm. So yeah, my first experience was with the first game, uh, being terrified and then not being able to shoot. And then after the first, first um which we'll get into in a bit that that mm -hmm. first enemy that you encounter properly like the um mr woof woof i just remember was, like in school done. like i said resident evil had this insane reputation and it was like when you're a kid it's like oh my god have you seen this gory thing that the predator movie was like oh my god have you seen predator oh my god have you seen alien yeah. and oh my god at the end of everyone was talking about resident evil like oh if you die in that game you get eaten alive by zombies and oh my god it's like terrifying and everyone's bigger brother had already seen it um, but like it just it all added to that mystique of it. Um, Josh, what was your first Resident Evil memory while we're on? Yeah, it was my dad playing it. Like for some reason, my like even though he never plays games now, my dad used to just play like the PlayStation One and the PlayStation Two all nice. the time. And like I was way too young. I mean, you were like ten when Resi Three came out. I was four, so I was watching my dad <laughs> play Resi One when I was like five, six. Just wanted a hug, but he's just like, no, I've got. No, I was like, no, shut up. I've got uh, yeah, Crimson Heads to fight. Um, and I was just like terrified of it. I couldn't play it myself. I tried to play the first game. All over and over again but i couldn't get past the first zombie like genuinely so i would just walk around <laughs> i would walk <laughs> around the, the rooms that i knew were safe just to get a feeling of playing it um but then i actually tried to play Resident Evil 2 like around my cousins he had that again because i used to play a lot of games around his and again i couldn't get past the first bit whereas leon like i just kept getting killed over mm -hmm. and over again but it was so scary that i didn't want to keep trying because every single time like leon went down you heard like the zombies chomping on him and you got that you are dead screen like it would chill me to the bone because i was way too young <laughs> to be playing it you know what i mean uh -huh. and it wasn't until much later i guess resi 4 resi 5 time that i properly you know was able to play it but i had such a weird relationship with it because even though i wasn't good enough for them and i was too young for them like i would go around again and go around my cousin cousins and use his internet to um read up on the law 
and read okay. up on like the stories and the characters and the character bios and stuff. So I was well into it despite not being able to play it. It was a weird thing that the um, that the movies helped out because obviously I could mm. get like some of the story from them. And then obviously years later I returned to the games. Well, right from the beginning, you always had all the like the star. Like, it always alluded to more. Like you had all the stuff with Wesker and the stars, and you are like this team on this mission. Like there is this wider sort of law that's even being mentioned, I guess, at the very beginning. I read the books. I read the. Um, <laughs> I read the. I've, I've mentioned this before in a video, but I read the Resident Evil Extinction and um, like book adaptation, like the movie okay. tie-in. Uh, that was like the novelize- novelization. I got that um, personally sent to my <laughs> library in my small town so I could read that. That's how into That's the story it was. That's, wow. I mean, I didn't know there was a novelization of the, the old <laughs> Pretty good, pretty good. Um, I just wanted to jump on that Resident Evil 2 thing where mm-hmm. I also played that round of Friends uh, and uh, I, I didn't own that one actually at all. And we couldn't get past that first part for ages. And the one time I managed to get past it, like after trying loads, before we just went back to Crash Bandicoot because that was much safer, was mm-hmm. was going got bit so much that Leon was just about moving faster than the zombies. So you had all <laughs> these all the zombies like catch up. You like, oh, and you make it to the gun shop, and you say, "Oh, thank God, I'm in the gun shop." And then you break through there, and you want to cry. And you go through, <laughs> you go through the alleyway, and there's a bit where you can get on, like say. I'm going to say a toppled vendor machine and there was a female zombie, but she was walking at you and spraying you with like hairspray, I think. And I remember just getting to that point again, oh, we've made it. We've finished the game. We've, we've got this far. And then <laughs> not actually going back to it again, like Resident Evil 1 for a little while and taking breaks and just jumping back to Crash Bandicoot because again, Crash Bandicoot was just safe. The warm comfort line. blanket of Crash Bandicoot. Even though when we yeah. go back to it on the remake, it's brutally hard. Mm-hmm. Remember your um, second moment was how much is that doggy in the window? Uh, the one with the waggly tail that bites you in the face that gets you soon. Like, um, there's the first sort of zombie, especially if you play as Jill, you get helped out. Jill was always seemed as the easy mode because you'd mm. get helped out by Barry at the beginning. You would actually have a gun, sort of thing like that. Like, you know, who, who would who would come into the mansion and not have a gun, Chris? And then, like, you get to the dock and it just ruins your day. And, like, then you know it's there and it kills you. But then you're like, what if I just edge forward and see if I can... And back then, like, I don't know, maybe people knew this, but not for me, not for Mm. me being a a very young child of like five, probably, where you just want to try and tease the dog out, but it won't come until you've gone past a certain point and just trying to run through and screaming and just like that being like half the experience getting past that first damn dog. And then the Resident Evil remake, when they move the dog in its (laughs) window. Because they knew... Yeah, they knew that you knew, and Shinji Mikami was just like, well, <laughs> I dress up like I'm in the Matrix these days as I'm looking at him here from some promo videos, and it's just like, I'm just going to trick you all and make you all scared. I'm just... But yeah, that dog, that very first dog, I don't know if you two ever experienced, like, were just ruined by that. Well, me, I, we did, um, for me. the chatty thing like this, the chatty faces that will be going out on Friday, it was like the, the, the most terrifying childhood memory. And my one for that is the original dog joke scare from Resident Evil. Because I, wow. you mentioned like going back and forth through the same corridor. And I don't know if it's a certain amount of times before it pops up, but it felt like I just couldn't predict it. And I just remember like me and one of my friends like freaking out the, the time it actually happened because we didn't know it was coming and grabbing each other for a hug to be like, oh my God, like what the hell? And um, to try and react to it. Um, so yeah, I mean, that like obviously that jump scare is iconic for a reason. It kind of reminds me of like, it's almost like the video game equivalent of like the the Spielberg head floats through the hole in Jaws it's just like something that we kind of all did when we were growing up um, Definitely. but yeah I mean yeah the dog went the dog jump scare is like iconic for a reason um Josh did you did that leave an impact as well 
Oh, totally. I was terrified of the dogs, like not just because of that <laughs> moment, but I remember like, you know, the opening CG movie for Resident mm. Evil. Like you get a brief shot of the dogs there. And, like obviously that's what chases them into the mansion and stuff. And I should have been so scared by this daft dog that looks like it's just got like a lot of mints on its head. And I'm like, <laughs> nah, that's your dog. slices, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they're, they're literally exactly. hand puppets down and go, and just yeah, just the camera. That's all it is. 10 pounds. As a five-year-old man, that was the scariest thing on earth. Totally. Let me tell you that. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, everything your like childhood, I don't know, brain makes it all work. Like the acting, totally stellar. Like the special yeah. effects, totally <laughs> believable. It's all great. Um, Josh, your next one down is the entire Marguerite section from RE7, which I try oh. to blank from my mind most days. Dude, it was so hard to choose just one thing from Resi 7 because I was mm. originally going to go for like the opening with, um, uh, oh, is Mia? I've just completely blanked. I think it's yeah. Mia, yeah. Yes, your missing lady com- friend. I was confused by uh, the lady from the Evil Dead because I was just about to say because that opening is so Evil Dead, like the 2013 mm. um, remake when she's on the stairs and she's climbing it up. That was just a brand of resin horror that I just thought they hadn't done before. But then they kind of extend that even more with the Marguerite section, which again I was playing in um, VR. In that entire <laughs> section, that kind of like weird outhouse is just mm. horrifying. Like even though you're mostly fighting bugs for it, like Marguerite being around. And um, one of like the biggest scares I've ever had is when you finally get to the door where you need to like get through and you open it and Marguerite's there and she kind of pushes you down the stairs. Like I, every time I play that, <laughs> I know it's, I know it's coming and yet it terrifies me every time. The thing but with then that, obviously, it's like, is this sheer body horror as well? Like just two words, yes. spider vagina. Just, it's well, not, it's going to be there. So with yes. Marguerite's vagina, like it's teased for a long time and you don't, well, you kind of like know it's coming, but then in her boss fight, she like p- properly transforms into this horrendous creature with these giant like, gangly like limbs that are just bigger than like six foot or something and she, <laughs> she's all out of proportion she's got this horrible vagina like we said but it's the idea that she can like arrive from anywhere like she'll attack you from above she'll attack you from the ground she'll just kind of like jump on you and in vr like no like no thank you my <laughs> friend i'm pleased i did that in one go just fluked it just managed to kill her because i wouldn't have been able to try that multiple times like even now I, I, I forgot you did it in VR, game. like just having All that right. stuff up, up in your face, like the entire just way through like, that encounter. Seeing it kind of like scurry away and just seeing this really long arm kind of like just out <laughs> your periphery, man. Like, honestly, like that game is, that game's so good. I really need to play that again. Uh, yeah, RE7 is like a perfect package. That section of Madhouse was just almost, it just adds another le- level of just like, Heavy breathing, just like trying to not go near the certain points to trigger her to come out of the hole because then she's just waxing you dead and she's like, oh, <laughs> I just can't, I just can't go near the the spider vagina. Speaking of uh, gross things, my number three thing was just like experiencing RE2 remakes gore tech. I think it's just like most of us have, or most people who've played that game have an instance where they do something where it's like, oh my God, you guys did model like what feels like an entire human body, like the flesh level, the muscle, the skeleton, whatever. And I think for me, it was the first time, it was actually in the demo. And when I just, when you finally get the shotgun at the end of the trial period demo that they put out before launch, um, and you just like finally get the shotgun, Resident Evil's known for its shotgun. So I was like, what's it going to feel like in the remake? And just dumping like a couple of shots into some like zombie that was walking towards me. They fell apart, like in like sort of two halves. And then their top half crawled towards me and like sort of walking dead style, you know, when the dude gets stuck in the well and just sort of like all the tendrils come apart and the entire stomach comes apart. And just had this dude like crawl after me. And I was like, that looks absolutely horrific, but it is, you know, in HD. And everything's been modeled and oh my god you've modeled this entire set of intestines um but then it's all still coming after me i just thought that that level of attention to detail 
was insane. Um, and obviously it extends to every other weapon you want to use on them. And, you know, you can just the way that the goal works in that game, I feel like it doesn't get held up enough. Like, I feel like, you know, something like um, X-Men Origins Wolverine gets held up as like this incredible damage model for Wolverine himself. But like the lengths that Capcom went to, um, for me, that would just be this like next level thing of like, oh my God, this kind of redefines or the feeling of a zombie game with that level of detail in it. I remember you talking about that before it came out because, you know, the weeks leading up to launch, I didn't, I don't think I played the demo. I'm almost certain I didn't play the I think the you demo. were waiting, like, yeah. Yeah, and like I wasn't watching anything because I knew I was going to, you know, love it. I wanted everything fresh. But I remember you talked to me about this, these gore mechanics. I think Jules must have mentioned it as well because he did the review. And I was just like, I need to see this. Like you told me that exact story. <laughs> right, right. And I was just like, that sounds awesome. That sounds almost too good to be true. There's no way it could be that detailed. Then obviously mm-hmm. you go into Resident Evil 2 and it is that detailed, which is the most grotesque thing. But it made the zombies scary again because they take so much punishment, you know? Mm-hmm. And then they just continue, like you say, crawling that- at you. That like physics thing they do where like if you shoot their limbs, but like they're still like they're forcing their way to you, but they're dragging parts of themselves with you. Like that weird thing where it's like you can't tell where the epicenter of the animation is, the 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 thing that is willing itself to you, like magnetizing to you, but all of their parts are just sort of refusing to to be put down. I just think that's such a brilliant look, like visually. Resident Evil 2 remake is just such a joy for the soul. I just <laughs> everything about it is just so nice. And even though it's terrible and horrible and scary, like just like I was when I first saw that you could shoot a zombie in the head and it didn't go down straight away, I was like, oh, <laughs> game, I don't want to play it. I mean, I've just sworn this, so I just leave myself out now. But I was it was like, you know, I became I became the person on the internet for a second. I think but then why, like, why was that? Because like headshots should be like valued in Resident Evil. Just then every everything zombie like the head the head is how you destroy the zombie but then i was like you know what i can take that the fact that the um the zombies are a bit you know it it is a bit harder than just one pistol bullet to the head so that's all made sense and it works and just how they fall apart as you said and like sometimes it's a bit delayed you hear just like Mm. you hear them tearing and their arm just plops off and (laughs) and it's like oh can can, what happens if i just take their arms off they'll still lunge at me of their mouth but then, like, what happens if I take their legs off? They can still try and get you in. Just trying to play all those sort of like, uh, like Metal Gear Two permute- style mess with permute- the, the NPCs. Yeah. Permutations. I oh, don't talk about Metal Gear Two. Permutations of uh, how knocking them out. Sorry, I've just been playing so much Metal Gear Two recently. I just need to- <laughs> it's I just- on the mind. I just need to sleep. But yeah, like uh, everything about that, just the gore system from top to bottom, just and. Chef's I hope kiss. they I hope Chef's Kiss. I hope they just when we get to four remake and the Ganados, I, I can't wait to see how they react to their them being. Mm. I hope that they're a bit more like they're in pain, whereas obviously zombies aren't in pain; they're totally gone. Well, they can but do yeah. some pretty twisted stuff with the um the like chest bursty type stuff when they burst up people's heads and everything. If you combine that with the RE2 tech, it should look pretty awesome slash gross. Oh no, yeah. Benoit, your last thing was the Jack Baker section at the very beginning of Resident Evil Seven for your number three. Well, I was trying to spread it out a bit, and, be, and also like uh, I did. I've done two from the PS1 era, and uh, you've done four. The intro, which is one of my most memorable moments in gaming. But like, mm-hmm. I guess Jack Bait, like coming back to Resident Evil Seven, I've fallen out of Resident Evil Six. Only really bothered playing the Leon campaign for a long time. But for and I did go back to finish that game finally after this, and after me and Josh Brown and just <laughs> absorbing his aura of that game but yeah the, the resident evil sort of seven seeing jack baker for the first time and having that fear of this enemy you can't beat, and you know being introduced to i guess 
the style of game that the Twitch people like to scream at for a while and like actually <laughs> now sort of getting it and sort of like, but screaming for myself and not uh-huh. for people on Twitch and just hiding and having it work. And even though Ethan runs like he's running through Marguerite's dirty dinner, it still like doesn't annoy me that much. Like just basically a nice little game behind the seat with Jack at the beginning, getting <laughs> tipped, uh, capped off fighting him in his garage and shooting mm-hmm. him in the face and all f- Three of us got to experience that recently, so you know. Well, yeah, we did it blindfolded, yeah, which was a great way to reapproach it. But I think, like in terms of like, like tone setting, it for me it was very like Texas Chainsaw. Like I think that's what they're channeling anyway. Like the the food scene at the end of Texas Chainsaw, and then putting you like square in the middle of it, and then like you said, having the the callback to like persistent enemies, like another style of nemesis. Because that's the thing when you you know when you finally manage to have enough bullets to put him down, when you finally get like the shotgun or whatever, and you dump a bunch of bullets into him, just thinking like, will you just go down for a few seconds so I can move around without having you burst? through walls or whatever and he does stay down for a little bit and then he sort of undertaker sits up and then starts to fight you again um and just like all the different trying to figure out the rules of him and obviously it plays into the story as to like how he's sort of like quasi immortal and everything he's so different um, as well like yeah. he's not like a stores is a you ain't get away and he put after you it's like and it's like oh go away man let's stop stop being so unnervingly pleasant at times as you say he's like yeah he's like a, like a banter enemy he's sort of like yeah. they're sort of ch- they're doing their version of like um like the michael mando like far cry style villain their vast style villain of like someone who's going to taunt you and be like super powerful and everything else um josh uh, your last thing was the opening of resident evil 2 original yes well we kind of touched upon it already and it was just a kind of um like a scene set like so many of these openings are i've, I've noticed you doing this entire thing now that mm. resident evil is just mostly really good at openings like they normally knock out the yeah, park with like yeah. a great um introduction and resident evil 2 like i'd always wanted you know a proper apocalypse for the series like i loved the spencer mansion but as a kid i wanted to see this thing go wide i wanted to see like a bigger scale <laughs> and like the opening cg cutscene of resident 2 straight into the action where you know the vehicles are on fire the city's on fire and you're surrounded by what at the time felt like more zombies than were ever in like the original game you know what i mean it was just straight into it and i just couldn't believe that sense of scale and like the sense of detail like it's still i still i still love the art style of that game like even Mm. now like looking back at it like that distinctly kind of like weirdly 90s apocalypse you know in a city like style it's just it works for me and it was just it just felt like everything i wanted from a kind of like a zombie game at the time you know and then the lighting and everything just looked really cool like just like you said like the the city on fire and being stuck in the middle of it and it's like you have to like place it in the 90s or place it earlier in um, you know, zombie fiction, zombie video games, because we hadn't done that sort of thing a million times. Yeah. So it was just like being like being plonked into it. Your childhood mind makes it more terrifying, and then you're just trying to survive like in the middle of the city. Well, at the time, it didn't feel like there had been a proper, you know, city-style zombie outbreak, not just mm-hmm. in gaming, but anyway. It almost felt like zombies back then were kind of, like, treated as these more mystical things. You know, Resident Evil all the way through has kind of, like, focused on, like, oh, they're, like, lab experiments. Let's dive into this weird biological warfare element. But this time it was just like, nah, here's a city on fire. You can explore it. You're caught in the middle of it, just, like, go nuts with it. Mm-hmm. And that was something, like, I just I just wanted for a long time. And I was like, this has done it. This has given me it. I'm only, like, seven years old, but I've wanted this my entire life, <laughs> and here we are. <laughs> well, for the most part, the zombie, zombie genre had, like, gone away after Romero's Day of the Dead, like, in the uh, late 80s. Is it late 80s, Josh? Like, you I think know. it's late 70s or very early. Le- an old late- boy. Oh, Day of the Dead is late 80s. Yeah, early yeah. 80s. After- 80s, possibly, yeah. 
And then it sort of sort of felt like zombies had sort of like retired and just gone asleep. And we didn't really have much in terms of it in games. I mean, games were still like very rudimentary at that time, and uh, especially like the Nintendo era where everything was Happy Go Mario time, which I love Happy yeah, Go Mario time. Uh, by the way, get your copy of Mario 64 before it's gone forever on Switch. Uh, that is so- fair, actually. You only have like a week to get that before the yeah. 25th anniversary thing closes. But uh, yeah, which is the fact, like, I love the idea of zombie films and I'd always watched what I could watch. Like, things weren't available back then, like, as they are now, you just type on YouTube. Uh, scene from Film 12 and it's there. But like, yeah, this sort of brung back the zombies in a way where it was interesting. Like, I mean, this Resident Evil 2 is heavily featured in an episode of Spaced, which then mm-hmm. helped get uh, Shaun of the Dead made, which then helped even propel zombies back into the stratosphere. It was like Resident Evil would sort of like helped coast them along and the good thing about Resident Evil now is that they can bring back zombies and not have it be crap like you think like a mainstream AAA budget zombie game was in 2019 where Remake came out yeah. And like, if it was any other franchise, you have a lot of people growing up, oh, why are we doing zombies? Oh. And then they, they they reinvent the zombie and make it great. But in that first game, when you're going through and it does feel like the whole entire world is sort of like melting down, even if you've got a sort of breakup. How did Leon get that far into town without interrupting, <laughs> like coming across a blockade or anything? Like, mm-hmm. how's, how did Claire get into a restaurant and not see any anyone ripped apart? Like, you just got to sort of take that out of your mind and just you're in the moment and you're like, this city is burning. We need to get out of the city. And then they later on, it just builds and builds. But yeah, that intro for what that game is is like totally different to the rest of the game. But I just think that Josh is right there. It's one of the greatest moments of that series, and it just sets it up so well. Especially that bloody zombie woman with her hairspray. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I think like obviously there is there's so much to pick from. Like you know, we've just sort of like glazed the top of it. And um, but it is 25 years worth of Resident Evil. Obviously, all the main series. There's so many different spin-offs. Um, pretty much a Resident Evil game on most consoles at this point. Um, and Resident Evil 8 will do more breakdowns and things like that uh, in the coming sort of couple of months. So yeah, those have been our picks from 25 years worth of Resident Evil history. Let us know your own favorite things down in the comments below. There are plenty different moments and scenes to choose from. Um, but for now, this has been the Culture Gaming Podcast. I've been your host, Scott Tilford, joined by Wesker himself. <laughs> uh, by the way, we're renaming the franchise to Roizident Evil. That Very is good. Roizident <laughs> Evil. <laughs> and Josh Brown. Goodbye. I hear, right, from now on, I want, I want this on the record. We're not signing off with me last because I can never follow up anything he does. Anything <laughs> he does, I can't do it. So I want to go first from now on. I want it on record. Everyone can know. Okay. So see ya. I mean, I'm with you, but this is already the end of the show. So we'll catch you next time. Bye. (laughs) Bye. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. 
Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.